Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, two hours down, the final hour before we hand things off to the LSU Sports Network. LSU and Notre Dame. A little after 12 p.m. kickoff here. It's the 2018 Citrus Bowl today from Orlando at Camping World Stadium. The Tigers and Irish come in with identical 9-3 records, along with Herb Tyler and Deke Bellavia. Partake in the program in many ways. You can go online to www.com and vote on our Peretti Mazda opinion poll. Are you worried about a letdown for the LSU Tigers against Notre Dame today in the Citrus Bowl? Cast your vote online at WWL.com. You can text Herb at 870-870 or you can pick up the phone 260-1870. Your thoughts on the uh, developing or continuing saga about offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Will he be around? Is he going to be shown the door? Do you think he already knows and he's just playing the, the role, so to speak? And would you handle it? like the way it's being handled or would you have already let the public know maybe uh, it's a it's a reason why and maybe we may find that reason out or it could be one of those things like uh that old country song charlie rich used to sing <laughs> you never know what goes on behind closed doors you just don't know absolutely you just don't know but herb when you talk about uh what lsu has and people who followed the young man in his high school career if lsu of course he's become probably one of the top defenders that's going to be counted on for next year if he forgoes his senior year of eligibility. We're talking about Devin White. He's going to be maybe a top five pick in the NFL draft. But, Herb, I can tell you right now, not far from Darius Geis, I'm talking about not far from all, he's by far the best running back on that team. That cat can run the football. I not, and that's that's what I thought he was coming into college as. Of course, you know, defensive back, and then, you know, he basically has got the size of a linebacker. But Devin White, is yeah. one of the best running backs in the conference. He just doesn't play running back. He, unbelievable in high school what he did. <laughs> Never left the field, just a throwback type of player. But he's the heart and soul of that defense, Herb. Yeah. And to me, you got to figure today, he, this is his kind of game, facing a run-oriented team in Notre Dame. I think he's the heart and soul of the whole team, I, to be honest that, with you. There you go. You know that, what I mean? that's, even a, that's even better. His play his play speaks for itself. And like you said, in, in, in high school, he never got off the field. And if you look at this kid, you stand on the sideline and look at this kid and his body, and, and he's just a natural athlete, right. natural built football player. Um, he leads the SEC with 127 tackles. This kid is amazing. Eight games with double-digit tackles. If he leaves this year, he's definitely going to be a first-round pick. If not, he'll be a high second-round pick. And then not only that, he'll be, you know, following in the footsteps of, let's call it, you know, three years of linebackers that's been drafted out of LSU that are starting, and half of them are starting Mm -hmm. in the NFC South football teams right now, you know. Um, So these, these, you know, he's just one of, of, of what we do at LSU, you know, we get defensive players and we've been developing them. And the only issue we've been having, in my opinion, is just developing quarterbacks. And that's why we brought in Matt Cannon to kind of get back on what you were saying a little bit earlier is, you know, I, you know, I don't know what the issue is going on with that, but I hope we resolve it very soon. And I hope we get somebody in there that can come in. If it's not going to be Matt Cannon, someone that's going to come in during this offseason and get Miles Brennan 
and Loyal Narcisse ready to roll for the spring. 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. In his prep career, Devin White, and you, if you haven't today, uh, The Advocate, phenomenal coverage they give uh, in, in prep sports, but in LSU and, of course, uh, all across the board. But Ross Dillinger, who we have on the program an awful lot, is one of the best beat writers there is out there. He's got the feature today on the game day in circuit that's in the papers titled Devin and Dave, and it talks about the relationship of Devin White and Dave Aranda, and it gets into the stats that Devin had when he was at North Webster High School that was consolidated of Spring Hill and Cotton Valley, and he finished up her with 81 touchdowns, 5,031 yards, never left the field, and unbelievable. Was recruited uh, as a running back by LSU, well, then under Frank Wilson, but then right. moved on, on the defensive side of the football. But Devin White, Herb, is really a blossom into we, – we said this earlier in the season. Two players that stood out early on for LSU was Greedy Williams, who I think had a great – having a great year, finishing up today, and Devin White. And the DBU mantra will continue on, but now when you're talking about White moving forward – Next year, this defense has a chance to be, I think, as good as it's been since Dave Aranda's been here, particularly when you think about what they did in the JUCO ranks or defensive line. Yeah. And you got Shelvin coming in that you know didn't get to play last year from out of Notre Dame of Crowley. That's going to be a big, big boost to this defense, which is already a pretty salty defense. Well, I've always said that, you know, you got to give a coach some time. You know, this is the third year Dave Aranda's – well, next year will be his third year. Mm -hmm. And he have guys that he would actually have his hands on recruiting. Exactly how he wants those guys to look, um, run, tackle, uh, move around agility-wise, strength-wise, and all those different types of things that you look for in a coach or in a player as a coach. And same thing goes for Coach O, you know. I think that going into next year, he'll be a little bit more comfortable being a, the, the head coach at LSU. And then the following year, I think it's going to be a, a make-or-break year, meaning he'll have two signing classes under his belt. He'll have um, a, a slew of, of, of JUCO players who are experienced and established players um, that'll be on the team. And I think we can make a real good run at the SEC championship, and then we'll see what's going on in the playoffs after that year. So, and, you know, with that being said, Dave Aranda, man, is – is in my mind one of the greatest minds in coaching football. Period. Uh, whether it's just defensively or oh, yeah. and also as He's an assistant it. head coach, so I really like him. That's Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavid. Coming up next, we go behind enemy lines and find out about the nine and three Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A blue and gold illustrated covers the Irish. Brian Driscoll will be with us next. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavid. Counting it down: LSU and Notre Dame. Are you worried about a letdown from the Tigers? I think they'll come out and play hard. You can vote. It's our Peretti Mazda opinion poll online at WWL.com. The gentleman knows a lot about his business. His business is Notre Dame Fighting Irish Athletics, particularly football. Blue and Gold Illustrated. Joining us again, Brian Driscoll. Brian, thank you so much for being with us again. Uh, great information the other day. We wanted to get you back on to preview the Citrus Bowl. We talked a lot about Notre Dame and they build as advertised behind this offensive line take us through this offensive line brian and since you've been following it brian kelly uh, a lot of upperclassmen on this offensive line i think four of the five interior linemen are either seniors or graduates in, in the graduate school at notre dame this is this was their year and you know i don't we talked about this not the end that notre dame wanted losing two out of three but that that stretch uh, when they went, you know, that seven-game stretch, that's when Notre Dame became known nationally and, and was in the running for a playoff spot up until those last couple of weeks. 
and it really was the offensive line that fueled it, you know, and there was a lot of, obviously, look, when, when the offensive line does great, it's the skilled players that get all the love, right? There was the Heisman campaign for Josh Adams, but it was really about the offensive line because at that time, it didn't matter who Notre Dame put in the game. When Dexter Williams, their bat, third string running back, came in and ripped off a couple 60-yard runs early, they brought in their fifth string running back at one point in time, Deion McIntosh, in the second half against North Carolina, and he ran for 124 yards. So it was really about it was the guys up front. And, you know, when you look at a veteran team, a veteran group of players like you would mentioned, you have Mike McGlinchey's a fifth-year player, a third-year starter. Quentin Nelson, senior, third-year starter. Dan Mustafer and Alex Bars at center-right guard, seniors, two-year starters. And then they had a freshman and a redshirt freshman rotating in at right tackle, but they were so experienced in those other positions, and they had a fifth-year senior tight end, which I thought also played a big role in their run game this year. And this is kind of the, the year that everybody's been pointing to, and it wasn't just that they were veteran. Look, you can have better players that stink, right? It's that they were veteran players that were talented. Quentin Nelson was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Alex Bars was a top-100 recruit coming out of high school. Sam Mustafer was an Under Armour All-American. Mike McGlinchey was a guy uh, that I thought had tremendous upside coming out of high school. And both Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer right back were all highly ranked players. So um, it, it was talented players finally getting to the point that they needed to be. And, I, and, look, a lot of credit has to go to Chip Long, an offensive coordinator, because he came in in year one and he said – what are the strengths of our football team? We've got a young, inexperienced quarterback. We've got inexperienced pass catchers. But you know what I got? I've got a really talented offensive line and, and a talented back. We're going to build around that, and that's exactly what they do. Brian, uh, looking at Notre Dame defensively, uh, particularly down the stretch, the, the defense was on the field far too much. The Miami team did what they do. They fed off of turnovers. And then Stanford kind of executed what they like to do. David Shaw was a physical team and, uh, you know, pretty much gave them a, a dose of running and were able to mix in some play action. What is the biggest fear you have for this Notre Dame defense in areas matching up where you feel LSU will try and exploit on offense? I think, I think there's two areas that concern me. I think for the most part, personnel-wise, Notre Dame matches up fine with LSU. I think they've got a, a deep, and mostly veteran, at least in their starting lineup, defensive line. They bring in some young guys off the bench, freshmen and sophomores, and they're too deep. They're very experienced at linebacker. The two concerns I have really involve the secondary. And the safeties this year for Notre Dame have been very erratic. At times they've played solid football uh, against the run, and at times they're always where they need to be, but they don't always make a play. You, you know what I mean? They don't always – make the tackle they don't always take the right angle to the football if that happens against lsu they're going to get hurt bad and it's not just the run game and where i think a lot of uh non-lsu people don't appreciate what this offense does is yes you have to worry about guys and williams running the football but you also have to tackle those guys in space in the pass game as well i think they had almost 40 catches this year uh, at the running back position as well. So you're putting your secondary in a in a really tough spot having to tackle those big, plot, big guys play after play. And then when you finally feel you've got a read on them, you've then got to contend with D.J. Chark running it over, you know, running over past you. And so to me, that's the two spots where if Notre Dame can't tackle effectively and consistently, I can see LSU turning four-yard gains into 15-yard gains, 10-yard gains into 40-yard gains, and I can see D.J. Chark doing what he did to Auburn, which is really changing the entire momentum of that game 
with some big plays. And speaking of that, a good segue there, uh, Ryan, when you talk about it, okay, uh, you know, turning a small gain into a big gain. Well, that's what Adams is, you know, cashed in on this season. Leads the nation in yards after contact, averaging over five yards after uh, first initial contact with leads uh, all uh, FBS Division One schools. So, you know, I would think – you look at those numbers, LSU has been a pretty good tackling team. They, they This may be their toughest challenge on a guy that obviously they've not faced anybody because he leads the nation in yards after contact. And a big part of that, again, goes back to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. When you watch the yards after contact, a lot of that is linebackers coming in late trying to get a hand on them. It's not like you know Devin White stepping into the hole and they square each other up and Adams runs them over and keeps on running. Right? That's usually not what it is. It's it's the line blowing the line, the defensive line off the ball, getting the combo blocks to the second level, and then linebackers kind of coming off late and just getting a body on them, but not being in position to stick them. And that's really where Adams has had some some success. Right. What happened in the last three games of the year, especially the two losses, is safeties were able to come down and hit Adams after you know pretty early. Okay, so. They were putting numbers in the box, and Wimbush was not able to make the throws early in the game that he had been making early in the season to, to, to back that off. For example, Notre Dame you know, went on the road and beat, a, I think we've seen a pretty good 10-win Michigan State team by 20, right. and it wasn't that close to the game. The first series of the game, Brandon Wimbush completes four passes, including a 40-yard post route uh, that set up a touchdown. Well, after that, Michigan State says, what do we do? I mean, we can't, we, we can't, we, if we stop the run, this kid's killing us with the pass game. Same thing happening at USC. You know, they ran for 300 and I think 383 yards, 377 yards against USC, but their first two touchdowns were, were over-the-top passes. Well, once that happened, USC had to back off from stopping the run, and that's when the run game took over. In, the, in November, they weren't hitting those passes against Miami. Notre Dame takes the first drive right down the field, They've got Equinemy St. Brown open for a post route that should have been an easy touchdown, and Wimbush misses them. Notre Dame has to punt, and then the route was on. And so, to me, that's really the key to this game is if LSU can get its John Battle, if they can get Grant Delpit, if they can get those guys down in the box and have them make a lot of tackles on Josh Adams, then now it's up to your talented corners to say, we're not going to let you complete balls on us because that's really the key to Notre Dame's success is being able to, to get balanced early in the game. And finally, quickly, uh, right when you talk about uh, Adams, would you be fair to say that team speed, you know, we talk about the SEC conference, what they do, but, you know, runs of 73 yards, 73 yards twice, 84 yards against USC in 77, leads the nations of seven runs of 60 yards or more. Does he have good breakaway speed? I mean, is that it, or is this something he, again, goes back to your offensive line where he's just pounding everybody and he runs free? It's a little bit of both. You know, I think Adams is surprisingly good. He's he's that second-level speed guy, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, there's some backs that just, man, they just explode through the line. He's not that guy. He's more of a once he gets to the second level and gets those – he's 6'2". Once he gets those long legs going, you're not going to catch him. But he's not a guy that just is going to outrun you to the edge, you know, and, and turn a turn a jet sweep into a 50-yard gain like C.J. Procise did against LSU in 2014. He doesn't have that kind of breakaway speed. But once he gets into the second level, uh, and again, a lot of those runs were with the, everybody down in the box, the line blocks it up, and once he gets through the linebacker level, there's nobody there. So it's a little bit of combination of both. 
Brian Driscoll, Blue and Gold Illustrated, giving us the latest on Notre Dame. All right, Brian, this is a tight one according to the odds makers. They see it coming down the stretch. going to be decided. The line is three, three and a half. Give us your take. How do you think this one's going to wind up today between LSU and Notre Dame? You know, honestly, I think, uh, you know, I just really feel as I look at this game, I feel like this is a, a situation, and, and you're not going to want to hear this, but I feel like we're going to see the team from Notre Dame that we saw in September or October that yeah. just pounded everybody. I think this is a motivated team. This is a little bit of a pissed-off team. Their pride got hurt in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just don't think LSU can consistently throw the ball well enough to, to score enough points to beat Notre Dame. I think this is a game that's competitive uh, for three quarters, but I think in the end, Notre Dame's tempo and their run game wears, USC, wears LSU down, and they're able to pull away in the fourth quarter. Um, but is, is the key for LSU is if they can force turnovers, then all that's for naught, and that's where LSU has a chance to win this football game. Ryan Driscoll giving us the latest on the 9-3 Notre Dame Fighting Irish Blue and Gold Illustrated. Brian, thank you so much, my man. Good stuff. We appreciate it and enjoy the game. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's a look behind enemy lines at 9-3 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavia. WWL News Time is 9-31. It's time for first news. We'll go to David Blake. Senior writer at TigerBait.com at B-L-D-O-R-E. B-L-D-O-R-E. Brian Lazard joins us now. Brian, uh, LSU and Notre Dame. Before we get your breakdown and your your key to today's game and prediction. Uh, what, what's your take on LSU, Coach Matt Canada, and how all of this is being handled? Well, <clears throat> Deke, we all know that there was, uh, you know, that the relationship between Ed Ogeron and Matt Canada was not a good one, and that, uh, you know, towards the end of September, they had a meeting between Joe Oliva and the two coordinators in Ed Ogeron was a matter of let's everybody get on the same page. But uh, I think it's obvious that, uh, and I heard that, that the, the the relationship between Ogeron and Canada was not a good one. And, and it was more than what plays were being called, okay? It, it wasn't just, you know, uh, Canada wanted to implement all his motions and shifts and Ogeron didn't want to. I, I think that part of it involved things that Ogeron wanted that Canada didn't want to do, but then I just think that uh, the, the relationship between the two totally broke down, and, and I think it got to the point where it was not going to be uh, saved, and I think that's exactly what has happened, and you know, I, you know, we mentioned on the site, you know, maybe two or three weeks ago that this was going to, the, the separation was going to take place, and, and uh, you know, they tried to keep it quiet, I guess, until, you know, through the past the bowl game, but that didn't happen. So uh, could it would have been better if nothing would have been said until, say, tomorrow? Yeah, I guess so. But I believe that, you know, I really don't think it's going to be a factor in the game. I think that, uh, you know, the players aren't going to care. But look, you got a lot of guys on LSU's offense who play in their last game anyway. So it's like, okay, well, we don't care if Canada's not going to be the offensive coordinator next year because we're not going to be here. And that's, you know, running backs and wide receivers and the quarterback. So uh, I don't think it's it's going to have an effect on the game. And, again, you know, Ed has liked to hire people with whom he had a previous relationship. Canada was the exception. It didn't work. And I think that that is just going to reinforce him that as he goes on and makes his hires in the future, he's going to get someone that he that he's comfortable with and knows. 
Senior writer at TigerBait.com, Brian Lazar is here with us now. Brian, uh, from talking to the players, uh, how do you think the practice went uh, uh, several weeks to get ready for this contest and evaluating? It's an opportunity for LSU to kind of take a look, a peek, so to speak, at, at the future Tigers uh, for next season. How did that bowl, bowl preparations go? Well, I think the most important thing is they want to get 10 wins, and that was stressed by the players all along. LSU hasn't won 10 games in, in four years. Remember, they hadn't won six conference games in five years until doing it this year, and I think they would like to break this trend and, uh, you know, win a 10th game. I don't know if, uh, you know, it's doubtful LSU can climb into the top 10 in the final AP poll. They're starting today, started the bowl season number 16, and I don't, I don't see them jumping that high. But, look, Eric, Understand this, LSU hasn't been higher than number 13 in the final uh, AP rankings in six years. So uh, that's where, you know, a 10th win today would help them, you know, mm-hmm. probably get them right around that 13, 12, 13 mark for this year. And uh, whereas a loss, you know, just is a loss today would just reinforce the fact that, look, LSU is no longer an elite program. It's a good program, but it's not a team on the cusp. Of a, of a championship right now. And that's why you heard Ed uh, mention quite a few times in the last month, look, we, we're having a good season and we're trying to finish with a good season, but it's not a great season because a great season means championships. And there are no, for the sixth straight year, there'll be no championships for LSU. Brian, in the bowl preparation, um, do you see anything a little bit different coming from Matt Cannon in the offense, or is it basically going to be the same that we've been seeing, a lot of motion and things of that nature, jet sweeps and, and handing the ball off to the running back? Or will we see Canada and Ogeron and the offense opening it up a little bit here to try to get to that 10th win with a little bit of, um, I guess, uh, not as much predictability? Well, I think they're going to take advantage and try to – they may put in some plays to take advantage of their, what they consider the speed – uh, advantage they have over Notre Dame, but I don't see them going out and, and trying and, and really doing a lot of new th- a lot of new things. Look, LSU didn't really, I don't believe they even took advantage of all 15 of their practice days. So uh, <clears throat> uh, you can tell Ed doesn't like to do that for the Bulls. He treats it as a reward. So, you know, I, I think pretty much LSU is what they're going to do on offense is what they've done for most of the year. They may have a new wrinkle here or there. Uh, I just think the key to the game today is what Dave Aranda does with that defense. I mean, if he can go out there and, and and keep Notre Dame's running game under control, then I think LSU's got a good chance to win the game. I agree with you on the key to the game. Um, to go back to the whole Matt Canada, uh, whether or not he's going to be here next year or not, um, you know, finishing up last season, Coach O had um, Coach uh, Ensminger as the offensive coordinator. Do we look to him if Matt Canada is not back next year, or does Coach O go outside of uh, you know outside of the coaching staff now to get someone else that he's been I guess has coached with or coached for or something like that um, in the past, or do we stick with Insminger? I personally like Insminger. Uh, look, I, I know he's, he Ed is very comfortable with Insminger. He praises him all the time. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's a, certainly a, a segment of the fan base which is not would not be happy with Ensminger, and they think they need to go get somebody who's a bigger name. But I think everybody, you know, LSU. Uh, when Ed was hired, he said, "I'm going to come up with the best two coordinators in the country." Well, <clears throat> he had to keep Aranda, which he did. And when he made that statement, he intended on bringing in Lane Kiffin. 
And then Kiffin got the job at Florida Atlantic, so I think he was put himself in the trick bag, and he went out and got uh, you know Matt Canada, who had a good resume, and uh, you know Pittsburgh scored forty plus points on Clemson last year. But I think one thing, or really two things, that was overlooked. Number one, uh, it was going to be four jobs in six years for Canada. That's a red flag. And number two, Ed really didn't know him that well. And uh, both of those two possible negatives turned out to be negative. So uh, is there somebody else out there that uh, Ed may feel more comfortable with? If there is, then I think it will be on the list. But if if there's not another person out there with whom Ed feels comfortable, I think it's going to be Ensminger. And, look, I've heard a little bit some talk, or maybe there may be co-offensive coordinators. So, I mean, that's something else that – uh, that's out there, but uh, I know this: Ed is going to have to be comfortable with whomever he places in that position for next season. Senior writer at TigerBay.com, Brian Lazar at BLDOR at BLDORE on Twitter. All right, Brian, give us your prediction. LSU is a slight favorite over Notre Dame. How's this one going to play out today? Well, look, I think it's going to be a very close game, and uh, I think as I said a few minutes ago, the key is how Dave Aranda comes up with the defense. Look, you look this year at when LSU has played the good teams on their schedule. Uh, you know, Mississippi State was a, was a disaster. They gave up, you know, 37 points in that game. But uh, Troy scored 24. Auburn scored 20. Alabama scored, well, I believe, 24. Uh, so that's – you can look for Notre Dame – to score right around in the in the low 20s. Now, I just don't see a one-dimensional team beating a Dave Aranda defense. I, you know, I have so much confidence in him. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to shut down the Notre Dame offense like LSU shut down Louisville last year because it's a different type of offense. But uh, I, I'm go- look, I'm going with Aranda in this, this one today. I think he'll do enough and keep Notre Dame in that low 20s. So I'm calling it LSU 27, Notre Dame 23. Brian Lazar, good stuff. Check him out at TigerBait.com, at BLDOR on Twitter, at BLDORE. Brian, thank you so much. Enjoy the game. Okay, talk to you guys later. All right. Coming up next, Herb Tyler puts his take and gives us the keys to today's game and his prediction. LSU, Notre Dame, coming up at noon right here on WWL. All right, it's come to that point in the program where you've gotten used to it over the course of the season where Herb Tyler gives us his keys and the breakdown. Herb, let's take a look at the one that seemingly everybody's pointing to, the key breakdown. The Notre Dame massive and awarded by many all accounts recognized as the best offensive line in college football uh, potentially two first-round picks on that uh, draft in that group that will be drafted in April or May. Notre Dame's offensive line versus LSU's defensive front. Well, obviously, you know, I mean, the, the elephant in the room is those guys are huge, and that's what Notre Dame has hung their hat on all season long, and I don't see them doing anything different going into this bowl game uh, today. However, I do see that Notre Dame uh, will be facing a, a great coach, Dave Aranda defense, I think that's going to come from all over the place to kind of fill those voided holes and areas where I think Notre Dame would try to take advantage of their strength, which is their offensive line. Um, so, I, you know, how I see it is is it's going to be, a you know, who's the toughest, mano a mano, um, down in the trenches, as well as with, I think, Devin White coming down and, and lowering the hammer on some, some guys 
as they try to uh, to try to exploit our defensive line. Uh, and in a game like this, doesn't fact doesn't figure that Notre Dame will be testing uh, the strength of LSU uh, their secondary as much because they they want to set things up and have some open looks, shorter passes, Wimbush, and let him you know extend plays with his playmaking abilities because he can use his legs also. Yep. But uh, where where does the secondary fit into this? And it seems like this could be a situation where Aranda knows he can use his secondary help to aid in that run defense. Absolutely. Well, Notre Dame is missing a couple of key guys uh, offensively in the passing game as far as wide receivers concerned, one due to injuries, uh, another one due to suspension and whatnot. Um, and the thing about it is um, LSU's defensive backs have been playing well all year long. Um, I think the only the only thing that they were at the beginning of the year was young. And now that they're, they're not and they have the experience of this past year under their belt, I think that's going to really be a plus for us, uh, especially with Greedy Williams back there, who's just a straight ball hog. Um, and then with our, our front seven on defense putting pressure on Wimbush, I think we can get Wimbush to make some mistakes and throw some intercepts. You keep an eye on Notre Dame, too. Throughout this season, Notre Dame really jumped on their opponents in the, uh, in the first half of contests as yep. they outscored their opponents uh, 244, Herb, to 130. 38. So that's a big disparity where it's yeah, a lot closer in the second half. So one would think LSU is going to have to withstand Notre Dame. And th- that's when you, you find out early on in the contest who's going to start and impose their will and control the line of scrimmage. Well, the game of football is, you know, like they say it's a game of inches, but I always look at it as if you start fast and you finish strong, then you can't lose, you know. And I hope that week LSU can start fast and finish strong in this particular game. Now, Notre Dame, like I told you before, have always been, you know, a, a, one of those premier teams that has a ton of talent, mm-hmm. really good coaching, very disciplined, and, um, and 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 they just have all of that. That's been a mystique of Notre Dame forever. So, and this team doesn't come in any different than that. So, you know, Brian Kelly does a great job with 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 you know with just preparing his teams. Uh, right now, I think in his career, he's two hundred thirty nine and ninety one overall, and that's I mean that's that's you know outstanding as a head coach and and. Him being able to get the athletes that he gets in there at Notre Dame is uh, really going to make a difference. Now, one thing that I do know is that LSU is going to be ready to play. Um, I think Coach O is really looking forward to this type of game. I know Dave Aranda is, his enthusiasm um, and, and how he preps for the games and has those kids ready to roll. I know they're going to be ready. And I, and I hope that any distractions that this whole Canada thing has caused is gone now after the first day that all the news broke. And we know that he's going to be at least be coaching the game. So uh, we'll see how that exactly works. And finally, her one you had to keep an eye on. It was supposed to be a tight game, special teams, and field yep. goals. Uh, Notre Dame's field goal attempt, uh, not bad. The 12 of 16 uh, was Justin Yoon. He's their field goal kicker. Uh, he has uh, missed some longer ones this year, but he has made a 52-yard long one. That's going to be interesting because LSU's field goal kicker was not settled this year. Yeah, no, that's that's always been a difficult situation for us here in the past, uh, let's call it 10 games, if you will. Um, those, uh, you know, having the opportunity to get those three points uh, and ensuring that you're making the extra points after a touchdown, those are key and vital to, to sustaining and winning games. Um, and then those are the, the things that make you either – separate you from being a good or a great team as well because you know if you win games or lose games by three points or 
or less, then those things come into play uh, big time. So with that being said, I hope that LSU can find their groove in the kicking game, and I hope that we can make a few plays defensively in the kicking game. All right, the signal caller, RQB, Herb Tyler. Herb, LSU is a three-point favorite. Your prediction, the LSU Tigers and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I think, man, look, going back and looking at 1997 when we played Notre Dame in the Independence Bowl, I think Darius Geis – and Darrell Williams is going to channel a little Rondell Mealy here and, and run for over 200 yards. Um, I think our defense is going to fly around. We're going to cause some turnovers. I think we're going to disrupt Wimbush. And I think uh, DJ Chalk is going to make a player two in special teams. So I'm looking for LSU to win this in the close one, 24-20. At the end of the day, we'll be Citrus Bowl champs in the 10-win season. All right, thanks so much to Dave Potter and uh, David Blake on the news. I'm with you after. We'll get Herb on to give his take on the entire season with the point after today after LSU's Network postgame show, the Tigers and Notre Dame. I'm Deke Bellavia. Herb Tyler, take us to the house. Happy New Year, everybody, and go Tigers! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.